Coming up, the Knights of Soken podcast, your favorite source for Star Wars and gaming debate, starts now. Hey guys, welcome to episode two of the Knights of Soken podcast, season three. Here's to immortality. I'm Astrock Duran, and I'm joined by my good friends Jay Casma and Jace Drayson. Jace Drayson. I'm gonna put you on mute one of these days. It's gonna be like the funniest thing because no one's gonna hear you say your intro, Jace. I'll just I'll find several spots in the show to plug it in. <laughs> It'll be the worst show we've ever done because all everyone's my every answer is just gonna be that. Oh lord. <laughs> um, I do want to welcome Astrock uh, onto the show for being a co-host with us. Astrock, welcome. For those who don't know, Astrock, he is a new member of Knights of Silken, been in the guild for what a couple a month now, two months now. About a month. About a month. He's actually one of our uh, behind-the-scenes guys, helps with writing and uh, sound editing. So uh, thank you for being with us today. Well, thank you. So what, so what have you all been up to since uh, going through our holiday break? Uh, I feel like all I did was work the entire week. Uh, yeah, um, no, man, I missed you. I feel like we don't get to hardly... Uh, we got to play a little bit this week. We did some RP operations. That, that was really fun. But other than that, I feel like I just haven't seen you, man. Yeah, I was literally at work at 9 a.m. in the morning and getting home at 2 a.m. in the morning. Oh. So, yeah, it was crazy. I'm glad it's over. Work should be getting calmed down, so should be getting my game time up. Like, half the council was texting me, making sure I was still alive because no one had seen me online. Yeah, my PvP has been hurting because of it, I'll tell you that. Yeah, for sure. Jace, so what were you doing, man, besides, I mean, you could hang out with me, so obviously hopefully hung out with some other people. Yeah, um, been in a, I got a new Padawan. Zakoto, what's up, Zakoto? And I've uh, been training him up, trying to get to know him a little bit, hanging out a little bit more with uh, the consulars, doing some consular convocation, as well as uh, the healers went out on a couple of missions, uh, hanging out in the archives with the lore keepers. So mostly RP. I mean, boiling it down, I've been role-playing a whole lot. Um, I did start up the expansion on a new character on my shadow, so I'm doing that too. But other than that, that's about what I'm keeping up to and soaking. Oh, and what about you, Astrog? What have you been up to? I've been uh, I've been doing a whole bunch of different things aside from reaching the 60-hour mark uh, for hours that I've played in Fallout. Uh, that that's quite an achievement, uh, showing that I have no life besides Fallout and Soken, of course. Oh um, yeah, I of finally... course, of course. As an afterthought, dude, you you just sold yourself down the river with that one. 60 hours in Fallout. <laughs> that's 60 hours you could have been in the guild. We well, need a new co-host. New co-host. <laughs> No, I do. Just, I just pass me right on through. Just grab another one of the writers, <laughs> pop in my chair, sit down and record. But anyway, uh, I, I finally finished my counselor's uh, story. Finally uh, got that off my list. I got to finish the trooper now, and that means I'd uh, have finished all my stories on the pub side, um, which gives me something to do uh, besides because I've started leveling an alt now. But otherwise, yeah, I've been doing a whole lot of RP. I finally joined the lore keepers. So that's going to be a whole bunch of fun. Oh, you're uh, officially Zeppelin. lore people? I didn't know that. Yes. Good, good, good. I'm, well, uh, I'm an apprentice now. Shown in the library, reading books. Don't judge it. Not everybody can be the battle master. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, check out our Twitter. I put up a really great picture of the of the battle master giving the knights a, a pep talk before we went into the uh, Eterni Eternity Vault or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. Who drew that? Oh, it wasn't drawn. It was a screeny, but I, I posted a, oh, so, damn. a logo on it. That would have been nice if, like, like Celia would have... I feel like Celia could have been something cool about that. Or yeah, Elam. Yeah, Elam been, does she's art. Been real, she's been real busy with real life, too. You know. It's but, a busy um, time for everybody during yeah, the holidays. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, before we go and put everybody's, like, life on the show, let's, uh, let's go over with what's our first topic today. That's right. 
Our first topic is going to be, we're going to be reviewing Fallout 4, my wonderful love. Otherwise, we have a whole bunch of Star Wars stuff to talk about, including interview coming up later, as well as uh, conversing about whether Luke fell to the dark side. Awesome. Yeah, that'll, be, that'll be interesting yeah, discussion. <laughs> so all right, let's hop right into this. Uh, what are we starting off with? So one of the major titles released in the last couple of weeks is Fallout 4. This is a huge installment in the popular franchise of Nuclear Devastation. Now, Jay, you're not a player of the franchise as you stated in the past, but for this segment, I hand my reins to you. Ask away, because I've lost myself in the ruined wasteland of our not-too-distant future. All right, all right. So, my first question for you guys. So, what do y'all think it is about the Fallout series that y'all think is just so popular among everybody? Uh, I mean, there's literally articles of people talking about how they're so addicted that it's ruined their lives. What do you think keeps that, like, what's that niche in the game that makes them keep coming back for more? So, the, my theory is this. It is almost a fully realized world. It's the same thing that has people coming back to Skyrim. When you have a fully open world that you kind of get to sandbox in, you get to put your stamp on, you get to kind of collect the things you want to collect, ignore the things you want to ignore, and then a storyline to go in and weave your life in and out of, people really fall for it. So Bethesda does a really, really good job with that in terms of uh, storytelling and then sandboxing in both the Elder Scrolls and the Fallout series. Um, my, that's my personal theory. It's just that it's so wide open. Nobody's taking you by the nose. You actually get to go into this world and live a life. Yeah, they're, they pretty much, uh, during their E3 thing, thing says, pretty much everything is optional. You can do whatever you want in this game. Nothing's gonna stop you. There are no limits. You, like, they, their settlement system is like, we built this into the game, but you can do it if you want. Like, it's a massive system, but, you know, whatever. Do it. Okay, I mean, but, I mean, what was it for you? Like, because, I mean, actually, you've already stated, you know, in our intro that you've already put in 70 hours into this game. Like, and the game's only been out for two, two and a half weeks now. So what yeah. was it that really just drew you in to make a full-time job out of this game? That entire, like, because it's, it's an alternate, like, timeline between, like, it splits off after World War II and, like, our technology doesn't, uh, the, mi the microprocessor or something like that uh, doesn't get invented. Well, I think the nostalgia of, like, the... 50s like 60s era is just like really cool to people and it's really cool to me because music and all that other stylistic stuff but i feel like it's that plus the open world is just massive and you can get lost in yourself exploring just different caves or just the entire wasteland rooting through all these buildings because there's a bunch of collectibles in it and being a completionist i like to get all those things okay so now when we uh we we look back and we compare you know, like we always, we always compare the latest game to its predecessor, so this one was Fallout 3. Um, what do you think uh, Bethesda got right, or they could have done better this, this go-around? Uh, Fallout 3 was... I put a lot of hours into Fallout 3, and I'm going to go ahead and put myself out on the line here and say I'm not a fan of this franchise. <laughs> um, okay. I love... I know. I know. I love Bethesda. I love uh, Elder Scrolls. All the Elder Scrolls games, really. But there's something really bleak and hopeless about the Fallout world and the Fallout universe that makes me feel not, it doesn't make me feel happy when I play the game. And whenever I game, I want to feel happy about it. Um, what I can say that I feel like they did better in 4 than 3 is, 3 was really, really bleak. Everything was, the devastation was so severe and so gray and the palette was kind of dead. Um, New Vegas 
was a little better than that in terms of color palette, but Fallout 4 seems to have a little bit more life to it. It seems more like a world that's not, I mean, while it is a nuclear wasteland and it's bleak in that sense, it doesn't look so monotone or monochromatic, I guess is the actual okay, word. Okay, okay. Astrog? Yeah, most certainly the adding a voice protagonist, at least for the story-wise, I feel like was the optimal decision. I don't feel like the emotion of the story could have been portrayed in the same way as if they just did the no voice on the protagonist. Although I will say a kind of flop about that is their watering down of the dialogue system. They're almost like Bioware uh, type of like uh, choice wheel thing, the four buttons and choosing okay. which one. Okay. But uh, otherwise, yeah, the other ones uh, pretty much just had like those filters, like like you could pretty much just tell it was like almost like a brown filter was placed over Fallout 3 and like an orange filter was placed over the screen on Fallout New Vegas. New Vegas, yeah. yeah it, and it then this one so... is like the kind of just vibrant, just vibrance all over the place. Yeah, it's okay. definitely prettier. Uh, and so another big change I heard about was that the stat system changed severely, like it's more streamlined. Um, do y'all miss the multiple layers that it used to be in 3? Um, I'm always a fan of a more complex system in terms of, of what I get to choose. Not necessarily statistics per se. I mean, I'm okay with a streamlined statistic, but I want more choice. I want to be able to say that I, I want these stats to be boosted and I want these perks and these feats to be in my character. And with the streamlined system, I feel like I'm losing some of that depth. I'm missing some of the layers of, uh, of character choice and character development in terms of stats and numbers. Okay. I very much agree with you there. For the, the leveling system in Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas, I feel like was very was actually quite superb. And what they did with the Skyrim, I didn't really like. So I gl I'm glad that they didn't uh, choose a leveling system like that. Uh, like the level up as you use it type deal right like well while it's a while it's good in practice um i i realized that if you want to get your character higher level up you'd have to level up all those other skills that you're not using anyway but otherwise the way that they've chosen uh chosen to do the perks i feel um kind of gets away what the way that it's up starting is like your all your points are dropped down massively like they cut out like 10 special points from the normal and like well looks like you have to put points into those now and like there's a lot more management i think that they than they really intended in the new system like it's okay. they streamlined it but it's like more complex at the same time now we've already kind of touched on you know the story briefly you know we're the settings that you know nuclear devastation um but isn't every game a nuclear devastation like what brings new for the story to follow for this story is is an incredibly compelling the endings are eh. but uh, the story themselves I was very pleased with and the way that it gets brought out because I've beaten the game twice now I've gotten two of the endings of the four so I'm halfway there uh, maybe maybe another 60 hours and I'll get all the way there but uh, it's it's a compelling like father father son story if you go down one of the one of the routes I guess I probably sh that that might be a, a, even a little bit too much of a spoiler there uh, but, spoiler alert! Yeah, spoiler alert. Maybe I should throw that in before with the audio edit. <laughs> but it's a very compelling story. Okay, uh, I'm gonna uh, since you're new, I'm gonna come at your throat a little bit here. Uh oh. Thematically, how can you spend so much time in a world that is that feels so hopeless? One of the I know you're a Star Trek fan. Um, 
and I know a lot of the the sci-fi type. Uh, for our audience, real fast, we are sorry about him being a Star Trek fan. No, I'm <laughs> no, I'm not sorry about that. I do love the Star Trek myself. It's not Star Wars, but I do like it. But there's sci-fi often has this kind of hopeful feature. They're, they take uh, you can talk about things that are current events in our life right now in a way from another angle, from an alien perspective. You know, Star Trek always did that really well. But it's always with this thought that humanity's getting better, that there is hope, that good is going to win, that, you know, it's not going to be all about death and destruction down the line. We're going to come out of this okay. The thing I, I can't get over thematically with the Fallout series is it doesn't feel like that. It, it, like, the more you play the game, there's these sad little stories all over the place, and it's it makes you feel a little bit empty with every little corner of the world you walk into. I, 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 I feel like such a stark contrast here. Like, uh, in Fallout 3, you're, you're working towards that goal of, like, reviving that water purification station and providing clean water to the to the to that area i feel like that's really hopeful like the like you're you're starting your way like you're paving the way for like a whole new generation i i, I hate to call it that but you're paving your way for a, a whole new generation like they're they, they will live a better life than they would have if you wouldn't have done that or even in uh, fallout 4 there's a bunch of eh, it, it is quite bleak in the beginning i will say that I will agree with you that it, Fallout 4 is quite bleak in, in the beginning, uh, most likely because of uh, the the whole bombs dropping and, oh no, this happened. Crap. Where is everyone? That okay. whole realization. But, uh, uh, I don't know. So I guess hard. I took a wrong turn somewhere. Because in Fallout 3, here's where I, I, I screwed up my story somehow and I blew up this oh, whole God. freaking village and I was like, oh shit, man. And I, you blew up a <laughs> Yes, I didn't mean to. It's not like I tried to, and I was like, "This is this game is not for me." <laughs> that really woke up. Jace woke up one day and he was like, "I'm in a really bad mood. I'm gonna go blow something up." Then boom, city gone. But all in all, um, I know I'm pretty sure y'all haven't finished the game, uh, but so far in y'all's adventure in the Fallout 4, what would y'all give it a rating on a scale of 10? I mean, Bethesda in world building is always gonna get a 10 from me. They they do a fantastic job building worlds for us to go play in. Uh, story, you know, I give it an 8. It's not the story I want to do necessarily, but it, it's well told. Well, I haven't done near as much as him I, as Astrock. I have not gotten through multiple endings by any means. But thematically, I'm going to have to give it a 2 because it's just not my theme. Anyway, I would I would actually, this is my kind of may come as a surprise, but coming from an, an objective view, um, there, there are a, certainly a lot of interesting bugs in the game that probably should have been fixed. Uh, but otherwise, there are a lot of things that they did right, like voice acting and some of the scripting is a little weird for quests. But I would actually give the game probably somewhere around an 8 out of 10. Okay, okay. Well, I'm really surprised with the, all the time you've invested in it, but I guess that's that. But let's see what else we have left for the show. So I heard you guys were doing some Operation RP the other day. Yeah, it's something really cool. Um, we had tried it in the past. Um, it worked out. We originally did Terra from Beyond, and this time we kind of wanted to mix it up, and we did, and we did um, some stuff in the Eternity Vault. Um, it began with the you know emergency distress call that we did with the uh, token. I don't know how to pronounce like maximum prison that we do keep a few people at for interrogations and whatnot. Um, getting attacked by a new Darth that's come on the scene, uh, Darth Askar. Our guardians and wardens were the first people to respond, headed out there, helped clear the prison, get everything back under control, and then they uh, went underfoot to chase down Darth Askar and chase him into the Eternity Vault. And then we got some extra help from the Sentinels. I uh, got Tremorth and Duan out there, got uh, my Padawan, uh, 
Tabitha Zodiac as well as uh, Master Jace Racing came out there and joined us. Yeah, we killed it. It was really fun. Uh, this is really the first time for me in Star Wars, anyway, doing a raid in character. I've done flashpoints and some of the some of the story content, like heroics and stuff. That it's kind of like a flash in the pan bit of RP. But this, you kind of had to commit to. You kind of had to go into it thinking, you know, we could be doing this for a while. This is gonna last a few hours at least. Um, and then patience with the actual mechanics of the game on top of the <laughs> on top of the roleplay. Sometimes the mechanics trump roleplay sometimes roleplay trumps the mechanics but what I really really liked about it were the moments where we weren't really playing the game where it was between boss fights or between um, we did this really cool RP where we stopped outside the vault after the the main droid was down and the vault was open and we kind of all regrouped spend the night camped out everybody kind of split off into little camps and kind of sit around the campfire and roleplay together it was very enlightening to get to know characters in that way rather than just back at the temple yeah, and that's something I've always tried to do. Um, like, if you did a straight RP of that, it would just be really boring. No one would get really any character development in. It would just be like, oh, we, this person appeared. We RP'd killing this person, etc., etc. But you don't get a chance for actually any interacting, anybody to do any kind of leadership development or anything like that. So is there like a scribe that's like taking all this stuff down and like writing it through a post like, hey, this is what happened? Or, or is it just a like spur of the moment, like, this is what happened and uh, we're just going to leave it right there? Um, it's that's a nice something... little box. In the aftermath, that's something that we're still trying to discuss. Um, if we want to try to do one giant post, I mean, most of us took screenshots throughout, so it'd be really easy to put up some uh, illustrative stuff. Um, but most people are actually talking about how they're just going to include in their noeticons, and I think we might just do it through that. So if people want different points of views, they can look at it through the noeticons, the members who were out there with us. One thing that I did in Ghost Squadron and what I've started doing in the Consulars, and I think the, the Guardians do this to an extent as well, is putting up Mission Debrief so that you don't actually have to put up a whole slew of narrative, a whole slew of dialogue of what happened word for word, but it's just kind of an overarching, uh, this happened and then this happened and then it was over, so that you've at least got some type of documentation, some type of record for, for people that come down the line for posterity, I guess, to look at and say, hey... Our, our guild went through the uh, Eternity Vault and, and played it in character. And Man, it was a 16-man, <laughs> so we were yeah. pretty heavy on the Sokanites. Yeah, so that's something that was really crazy is, uh, you know, doing an in-game raid, but with all Force users. And I think we had one Sage DPS that was with us, and all of us were just just, really just wailing on bosses with lightsabers. It was pretty crazy. So, Jay, what, is, what does someone have to do to get involved with, like, these kind of RPs? Uh, generally, because um, there are going to be more to come, um, I've been developing different story arcs with different uh, specialty leaders. I'm working with uh, Jace on one, I'm working with Eridus on another one. Um, and then we'll be doing um, setup RP with uh, you know different specialty groups uh, that'll lead off into open comms for anybody to join. Um, we usually try to give about a week in advance, if not two weeks in advance, um, on the forums that people can just go sign up for. Um, we usually take the best 16 people we think are going to meet RP standards as well as mechanic standards. But we take both into a factor because it's not as much fun if you don't ever actually get the raid done. Speaking of getting the raid done, I just have to toss this out there. So, so we're we're role players. We do have an uh, <clears throat> I want to say an alpha class of uh, ops runners. Uh, Jay Zio leads us to do our, our alpha team, and I have to admit that the team's pretty powerful, pretty cool. We do progression rating. This was not that group. This was just role players. Some of them had never done a raid slash operation in Swotor before. Never, never had seen those mechanics at all. Um, so it was a challenge. It was a challenge to get them to understand and to get them to that place um, through some of the trash and some of the bosses so it was getting pretty late we got to the last boss and we were like you know we got to shut this
this down. It's 2.30 in the morning getting up on. Let's just, we were at Sowa, last boss. We said, let's just do this boss fight one time so that they can see the fight so that they'll know what, what the boss fight's all about. And I'll be damned if we didn't one-shot Sowa with this raggly-taggly group. And by that time, some people had dropped out. We got down to the bottom level of Sowa, and this thought comes to my head is, we, we're, what the, we're about to one-shot Sowa. And we did. It was amazing. Everybody was, oh, yeah, we did it, we did it. It was very satisfying. Probably one of the most satisfying raids I've ever been in at the end. Yeah, of the I mean, it was crazy because, uh, you know, like Jace was saying, we did it in 16, man. But we were short at least two people the entire raid. So here we are trying to do 16-man mechanics with people who aren't, like, quite at the gear level that they should be at. Um, with doing it with less people. And I do want to thank everybody that was with us last night with their patience and their can-to attitudes. It was really re refreshing in a raid environment. I'll I'll have to start checking this out once I get some get some of that gear. But anyway, that brings us to the end of this section, and now we're gonna have a short commercial break. Enjoying today's show? Interested in joining the Knights of Sokin? If these apply to you, please visit us at www.knightsofsokin.com and click the apply button above. Also, feel free to send a comment our way on Twitter at Knights of Sokin, as well as Facebook at facebook.com slash Knights of Sokin. Now, back to our show. All right, coming back from the commercial break here, we have a man who needs no introduction, Mr. Eridus, the head guardian. As I said, I think we actually do need to do an introduction. If not, no one's going to know who we're talking to. Well. As soon as he starts talking, they'll know, because that voice. <laughs> that voice. Ooh, do we have uh, someone yes, else that uh, has a voice? Us, we do have Master Eridus Christ, the guardian commander. Eridus, how are you doing today? Good, Jay. How are you doing? Uh, another another day on the set with uh, my producer flagging signs with cuss words on it. So uh, it's a, it's really? a, I know it's a great show. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, not at all, not at all. So we brought you on the show a few times for a lot of different things. Uh, we put you against uh, the Wardens back in the day trying to win some credits with the Silken Millionaire. Um, we got you on today. We want to talk about the Guardians. First of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about them? Well, the Guardians are overall one of the three branches of Silken specializations alongside the Consulars and, of course, the Sentinels. Uh, we're more focused on uh, the combat aspect of the Jedi, you know, swinging your lightsaber around, uh, joining in military battles, uh, learning control abilities versus, you know, powerful alter abilities. You know, your classic Obi-Wan and Anakin-type Jedi. Okay. And now I know y'all just finished wrapping up a, a big, the, the introduction to the Darth Askar storyline. I know there's been a lot of positive review about that. What's what's next for you guys? Well, we're hoping to build on that momentum and uh, keep uh, going into some other different raids to RP them. And uh, hopefully the de decisions made by certain members of uh, my team during the Darth Askar uh, RP can play out and uh, impact Soak in that way. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely some loose lips on the Guardian team <laughs> for that sure. you have to, we'll have to address. Yes, for sure. There are uh, there is a pun master in our ranks, and uh, he got a little loose-lipped during one of the RPs and, and let something very, very important slip. Oopsie. <laughs> so now tell us a little bit about you and your character and you becoming the Guardian Commander. Well, I started in Soken like pretty much everyone else does as, a, as an initiate that became a Padawan under uh, Roz Winners. Uh, council member uh, of the Soken, Soken community. 
I had a pretty pretty excellent experience uh, for being a late nighter. Roz was very uh, accommodating. He he taught me a lot about uh, about the Jedi lore and about you know being a leader in general. He's he's very very good natural leader. And with him and Zenlid, we brought back the Guardians uh, on this server. I, I know they were an entity on the Jung Ma server. I'm not really sure uh, what they were all about then, but we forged ahead and created something pretty special and unique, I think, in Soken. Um, something that people have been craving. Uh, you know, the, the experience is the Padawan experience, but once you become a knight and you become a teacher, you know, people still want something geared towards them, and that's what we try to do uh, in the Guardians, because you're not actually a Guardian until you're knighted. You know, you can, you can okay. come with us and you can train, but we don't consider you a Guardian until you're actually knighted. Cool. Um, and I've got a chance to go out with you guys a few times, you know, in Age on a couple of the missions. Something that I really do like, um, that I've seen with y'all that I don't see with many of the other uh, RP storylines right now, is you actually break down into smaller squads to really build on your junior leadership. Um, what what gave you the the will to do that and do that kind of RP? Well, uh, it was really a numbers game. We started getting a lot of interest in in our RP, and it became a lot to handle for just one person, you know, trying to make uh, order of that chaos so uh, I took a couple of trust with the guys uh, one you know my former Padawan Yosef and uh, another Zeltigar Praetorius another master and we created strike teams and we, we developed a role system that uh, that played along with our our group dynamic and we split missions up into two or three separate uh, separate events all encompassing one event so anytime you could have one guardian group over here, another guardian group over there, and we're all going towards the same goals, but we're encountering different things. And the commanders are responsible for DMing their group. Um, and, it, and it's worked out, and it's become extremely popular, and people love it. And, and we, we've also started using it in uh, initiate trials, like running simulated missions for initiates to give them something to do. And it's only been met with positive praise. You know, I've, I've been a part of a couple of uh, Guardians missions as well. Back when I was in Ghost Squadron, I, I actually saw that system in operation and work, and it was it was really cool. One of the things we did, too, was had some chatter over ops chat that was in character chatter, like, uh, like you'd hear over, like, a police scanner or something like that, and it really adds to the whole, the whole feeling and theme of the event. And speaking of adding to the event, I have to say, Eridus Kreis is one of the most developed characters that, that I've met in the guild. You know, I met Eridus, first of all, in TeamSpeak, so I didn't know Eridus in-game. Um, and he was, you know, this cool dude with the voice that, that melts your heart, and he's he's nice and genuine and kind of easygoing in a lot of respects. But then you meet the Jedi Eridus in-game, and he is this hard-ass from hell that it has this, like, hawkish hawkish brow you know he's like he bores his eyes into padawans how do you maintain that consistency of character and what gave you the notion to to have such a serious jedi well if i'm going to be completely honest with you i modeled him after my father who was a hard-ass marine and so a lot of the things i draw from are from personal experience my dad was always fair he's always just but he expected order and discipline you know and as my character grew more along with the Guardians and, and coming into that combat role, you know, alongside military and public personnel, my character developed that aspect as well, you know. Because you need 
discipline on the battlefield. You can't just have people running around amok doing whatever they want. And you need to be have a strong leader to keep them in line. Um, you know, it's hard at times when you, you hope people don't take you the wrong way. You know, I, I, I've, I've said things in character that are a little harsh. And then I, I've whispered people and said, hey, you know, I don't, you know, I don't mean anything by this. It's just my character responding to you, you know, in character actions and character consequences. I know that's something we always stress, stress and soaking. Well, I love it. I love how, how immersive it is that the, that he's really fleshed out and consistent every time you meet with him. It's not like you have a different character every time he comes around. It's, it's really consistent. Um, and that heart, I guess, coming from your, your relationship with your dad, that heart really comes through in the character too, because it, it really seems well-rounded, like I said, um, and believable. Um, Another interaction I've had with you is on the engine site whenever you were trying to put together a cross-spec RP and you had this this huge idea of, you know, how the consulars and the ghost squadron and the sentinels could all do this one, you know, big mission together. If you could do one massive cross-spec RP, how, how do you envision that happening? Like, what is it that would make it um, successful? And what kind of storyline are you looking for when you're putting together um, a role play that's going to affect the whole guild? Well, first, to answer your question of how it would be successful, it would only be successful if all the specs were still in control of their, their specs. Because nobody else knows how to run your spec but, but the head or the commander of your spec. Um, you have to play to the strengths. You have to develop a environment where everybody has something to do and everybody can shine you know you don't want to invite people along and then pigeon them pigeonhole them into what you're you're doing what your specialization is doing um, I try to make sure that something's dynamic um, large scale uh, that can have very drastic consequences for the characters involved because you know RP isn't worth role-playing if there's really no consequences to it and I'm not talking about like losing a limb or, or, or in my case, you know, losing an eye. I'm talking about, you know, the moral conflicts that can affect your character and the decisions you make. Because being, being a Jedi, when it comes down to it, is about making hard decisions uh, when following uh, your instincts and, and the will of the Force. Um, that, that RP that, you're, that you mentioned, I, I still very much want to do that. But, uh, you know, things are still kind of building up, trends really building up the sentinels uh you are like hitting it hard with the consulars and the healers and, and the wardens kagan is doing an excellent job uh you know picking that up and and i've sat in a couple meetings with him and he's got some really good ideas and i think uh uh i know trem right now has an idea for crossback rp that i'm helping him with and i think it has the potential to be be excellent for everyone involved as long as uh as long as the ambition stays a little in check yeah i'm, I'm super excited about that too stoked um, like always, though, um, I'm glad we were able to get you back on the show today. I know how busy your schedule is. Um, definitely glad to get your input on, you know, the future for Spec RP. Um, so, Master Krace, like always, you know, it's a pleasure to be in the guild with you again. And uh, thank hey. you for being on the show. Bros thank for you, life. That's right. All right, and now we are moving on to our last topic of the day. Did Luke Skywalker fall to the dark side? So Rob Connery posted an article for the Huffington Post that was pretty controversial. Uh, the piece was entitled, This Luke Skywalker Theory Destroys Everything You Thought You Knew About uh, Star Wars. Uh, Jay-Z, do you want to elaborate a little bit about that? 
Yeah, I remember, uh, I mean, when this post came out, it was really big talks for all of us. Um, when, when it first came out, we posted it and everyone read up on it. And, you know, a lot of people are up in arms about it. You know, it's a big controversy. Did Luke fall to the dark side? Um, something, you know, that we always compare it to is we look at the four stages of the dark side that we train our own Sokanites on. And we ask ourselves, did Luke actually go through these stages? And if he did, what stages would he be at? And uh, I'm going to ask you guys first, what do y'all think? I think it was a pretty compelling piece of literature that this fellow wrote. I mean, some of it I think is reaching, but some of it is, you know, you, you really have to look at it and think, you know, what was going on in Luke's head when, when Yoda told him, do not go and try to save your friends in Cloud City. Don't do it. Um, and he did. He did anyway. So, you know, the fast and easy route, the reckless route, that's obviously a way that Luke Skywalker did. The question is, did he ever pull back from it? So, when we talk about imperilment and temptation, you know, I think that he was probably a stage two dark sider <laughs> at that point. He'd definitely been tempted. Um, and then he kind of imperiled himself by ignoring, you know, the only Jedi master left in the galaxy and going to do follow his heart, basically follow his attachments um, and then try to save Leia and Han on Cloud City. What do you think, Astra? Uh, I would I would very heavily agree with that not knowing not knowing much about these because I've, I've yet to take a class in character I, I never really looked I never really looked much into it but oh uh, I was God. doing new host new co-host <laughs> a a I was doing my research bud get on <laughs> I was doing my research so I, I would definitely say probably around imperilment the fact of him trying him trying to follow follow what he thought with trying to save his friends but then you also you can also uh, find it comparable to um anakin in the like he he was following what he thought was right which no it was not right but you could still see him trying almost following that path and that that's that's just my view on that in in, in terms of looking at the whole skywalker saga back to anakin um, what made Anakin fall was his attachment. It was not necessarily a, a, a bad attachment. I mean, you know, falling in love with somebody, that's one of the highest virtues of humanity, how, how we view it. Um, and that's one of the things we have to teach our new Jedi in Soken is that, you know, detachment isn't about being a cold-hearted evil person. Detachment is really about being able to have good judgment. And it's really clear the that Luke was attached to his friends and willing to put the fate of the galaxy kind of on the back burner. I mean, did he not believe Yoda when Yoda said, if you choose the quick and easy path as Vader did, you will become an agent of evil. Did he not, did he not buy that? If you end your training now and he was like, nah, I'm done. I'm out. I mean, he said he would come back, but you know, he was, he was gone. He was being a pretty bad Padawan at that time. Yeah. It's almost, that's almost like the, the greater good theory that I almost kind of relate to the, that attachment thing with like you can you cannot just put put one person above everyone else you, the, exactly the greater the, uh, the few will always or the many will always outweigh the few yes bringing bringing myself back onto the table i've i've actually thought about this and ever since i saw this question i've thought about it coming up into this and uh, i've always thought you know what would the did he actually do like did he actually have temptation from the dark side or just to follow his own self um, which we know the, the dark side is uh, masked in many ways. So I definitely say he was tempted and definitely fell for the temptation. You know, he did go out to Cloud City, rescue his friends, fell for the, the Godot trap. And I, thought, I saw the imperilment, but I never saw him actually fall. He did make some bad decisions, but what Jedi hasn't, I guess? I mean, is there really that perfect Jedi who's done everything to the T? No, and, and that's kind of where 
uh, Rob Connery, I guess is his name, he takes us to Jedi, to Return of the Jedi, and the moment that he calls the fall, the moment that Luke fell to the dark side was when the Emperor told him, take your weapon, strike me down with all of your hatred, and your journey towards the dark side will be complete. What's up, Apollo? <laughs> anyway, he says your journey towards the dark side will be complete. Um, and Luke does. I mean, he, he gets that, not right at that moment, but later on, whenever Vader's kind of poking at him, talking about his sister, she was right to, Obi-Wan was right to hide her from me. That attachment to his sister brings him out of hiding. He goes ape and starts just wailing. Uh, he actually tries to strike down the Emperor through hatred. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't think that he necessarily fell to the dark side, but I think he was past the point of I think he was definitely into imperilment. It wasn't just um, temptation. I mean, when you use hatred to beat the crap out of Vader, yeah, is that have you have you called on the dark side at that point? I don't think so. You haven't really called. I mean, you're using your inner emotion, but I wouldn't say. I mean, you gave into your emotion, which we've seen plenty of Jedi do in their storylines, but not fall to the dark side. And it really comes down to perception. It does, and and some of it has to do with some interpretation of the film. Um, cause, cause in Luke's own words, he says, I'll never turn to the dark side. You failed. Uh, Connery's take is that he was lying when he said that, that he, that he had fallen and that it was his intention then to pull Vader back from the brink of death and actually make the big galaxy over in the image that he thought would be, would be best. But I don't think you can take down the dark Lord of the Sith, Darth freaking Vader, the most powerful Jedi, the, the, the answer to the prophecy, the chosen one without some type of force. It's not going to be he's just swinging away like, you know, Babe Ruth. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, um, we have to realize that we have to look at Luke and all these films as a Padawan. That's really what he was. He wasn't a Jedi Knight. He wasn't a Jedi Master. He was a Padawan. And we teach all of our Padawans about the Conquerors and Honors. I would say this is him doing that character development of getting over you know, those Conquerors. <sighs> I think that at that point, in my mind, he's kind of a knight. He's he's hit most of his trials. You know, they're not like they used to be, I guess, in the timeline. But when he goes to uh, Jabba's palace and he presents himself as a Jedi, I think he's presenting himself as a as a knight. I mean, maybe I I don't see it. I just think he's a powder one up until the end of Rayan. Uh, well, in any case, it's a really interesting read and it makes a compelling point. Um, I don't know. I think that probably the film coming out, episode seven, is going to answer a lot of the questions for us, and this theory will be either debunked completely or um, proven true. I definitely agree. I agree as well. So, if Luke did fall to the, to the dark side, and it had it been made abundantly clear that he did fall in the films, do you think the genre would have taken off? Does a hero need to remain pure in order to captivate audiences and create a lasting piece of film mythology? No, um, something that actually always draws me into storylines is seeing that hero go to that point where they're fixing a break and then not break, you know, come back from that that breaking point. It always makes the story that much more enriching for me. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree, but I, I disagree. That getting to the point is fun to see. You do want to see somebody get to their breaking point, but you don't want to see them break. You want the hero to spring back and come back, you know, full full-fledged hero at the end of your... You know, I guess a, one exception to that might be Magneto. People, Magneto's very popular, but he's definitely a villain. Um, 
I don't know that Star Wars would be what it was if we got to the end of Return of the Jedi and Luke Skywalker wandered off into Endor with his eyes turning golden red and he's like, I'm, a, I'm going to go conquer the galaxy now. I don't know if it would have felt really good. You know, that may that may make you feel how you felt about Fallout uh, there, Jace. Yeah, maybe maybe that's more me than the general audience. Um, and granted, Star Wars was all, already a huge thing by Return of the Jedi, but creating that actual hero mythology, that big, you know, the story of the Skywalkers, how awful would it be to get through two generations of Skywalkers and both of those bitches fell to the dark side? Yeah, that, that, that's very true. I don't think I'd want to see this hero that I've been rooting for for two and a half films just all of a sudden take just a, just a complete 180 and he's like, I'm going to conquer the galaxy now at the end of the film. I'm like, what the hell? I spent these I spent these last couple films rooting for this guy. Now he just turns around. Yeah, they would have had to come out with episode seven a whole hell of a lot earlier and show me what happens. <laughs> right. After the fact, I couldn't have lived for like whatever, 20 years knowing that the, the galaxy far, far away is getting stomped on. That's another reason I didn't like... Okay, so the, in the extended universe, it's another reason I didn't really care for the... Well, I've said before I like Jason Solo and I like his story, but, you know, he fell to the dark side too. Yep. And I, I, I did, he became, what, Darth Caddis? Darth Cad... Cadis, something like that. Um, I didn't like that. I don't like that that whole... That whole saga ended with the hope of the Skywalker legacy going that path and turning that dark. Now, he kind of had his redemption in the end, too. And, you know, there were more Skywalkers, I guess, to Ben Skywalker, whatever, whatever. But, you know, I, I really need a little more happiness in my tale. I think that's the theme of the show today. Right. So anyway, uh, Jay, we're going to pass it to you for the Soken sign-off. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for today. Um, as always, come check out Knights of Soken and the Soken, rest of the Soken community. Uh, 39 events going on just for the Knights side. Lords is pushing 15 plus last time I talked to their council members. Uh, speaking of Lords of Soken, if you're looking for a great RP guild, you want to find out good core lore RP guild, hit up the Lords of Soken guys on that side of the house. Uh, not a lot of promotions. I want to go ahead and congratulate uh, Knight uh, Zarthrak, though, for joining us in the ranks of Knights. Um, another big event we have coming up is our kind of a reoccurring event. Uh, hoping to see Team Shake and Bake return to the uh, winning spotlight. Jace, don't let me down. But we have the uh, the pod race coming up on December 12th at a, at a high noon of Eastern Standard. Come out, have some fun. Um, guys, do y'all have anything else you're looking forward to? I'm just looking forward to getting to the rest of those classes. Uh, from what, for all all the teachers that I've had, I'm just completely awesome, and uh, I'm really looking forward to those. Otherwise, I, I think Jace is having some stomach problems over there. <laughs> so, anyways, I I really want to learn the the story behind Team Shake and Bake, but if that is all the time we have for this episode of the Knights of Silken podcast. I'm Astrock. And uh, joined by Chase and Mr. Jay Ziel over there. We'll see you next week. Stay classy, Soken. Thanks for tuning in to the Knights of Soken podcast. Please click the subscribe button below and follow us on Twitter at Knights of Soken. And look us up on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Knights of Soken.